The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's our uh, daily for the last day of this holiday week. It's uh, the middle of the week, but we're going to take off Thursday and Friday for Thanksgiving here in the United States. Um, but first, we'll we'll get to the news and hope that this news and analysis will tide you over for a couple of days before we're back on Monday. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Rothkopf, coming to you today from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I am joined uh, as ever by Chris Cottonwar coming to you from Morristown, New Jersey. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, and we have Riley Fessler coming to you from Ohio. How you doing, Riley? I'm doing well. Uh, excellent. Um, uh, I think Riley has the top story for today, so why don't you kick it off? I do. So the agreement that we discussed that was being kind of negotiated yesterday between Israel and Hamas has has finally been agreed upon. So they've agreed to a ceasefire that will last at least four days in order to let in aid. Um, and Hamas will release 50 hostages while Israel will release 150 jailed Palestinians. And Israel's actually said that they would be open to extending the ceasefire even further if 10 hostages are released per day. So that's kind of their their uh, condition for extending this ceasefire. Yeah, they'll extend it. They'll extend it for a day for every 10 hostages. Yep. And in addition to that, hundreds of trucks of humanitarian medical and fuel supplies will be allowed to enter Gaza. Um, so Qatar mediated the talks and global leaders have praised the deal. Um, but there are kind of calls for some of these conditions of the deal to be made permanent, uh, especially that expanded access of humanitarian aid. Um, so the ceasefire is expected to begin sometime tomorrow. Yeah, that, no, that's all right, Riley. Uh, the uh, 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 the Israelis have said they're going to return the levels of fuel and other things supplied to Gaza to the pre-humanitarian uh, pause levels as soon as it's over. Uh, and that has led to some pushback. Uh, there's also an interesting story in today's New York Times about uh, the small group of uh, U.S. government officials who were involved in these negotiations, uh, a secret cell of officials. Um, but uh, clearly, any release of hostages is good news. Uh, the bad news is that there will remain 200 hostages, and uh, that, of course, uh, 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 suggests that uh, as the war progresses, those hostages will be at risk. Uh, and will be used as pawns by Hamas throughout. Chris, your favorite story. I know I saw this list of stories, and I thought, 
Chris is going to be so happy. I I, w- I saw the headline and I said, <laughs> I literally said, holy shit. You talked about this on Monday. Um, in the, in the, and that was after Microsoft hired Sam Altman. But Sam Altman is back at OpenAI as the CEO after OpenAI agreed to board changes. Their initial board uh, includes Brett Taylor, Larry Summers, and Adam D'Angelo, who at first voted for uh, Sam Altman's ouster. Both uh, Microsoft's CEO and Mr. Altman um, were encouraged by the changes to the board and the potential direction. I think there will still be, um, you know, at least somewhat of an investigation into, you know, what led to the ouster in the first place and what changes need to take place. But, um, but as I said yesterday, it's in Microsoft's best interest to make sure this succeeds. And, and frankly, um, after all the turmoil, I think things shook out the way that they should have shaken out. Well, I mean, you know, having Larry Summers on the board should ensure that uh, rich people do better and poor people get fucked by this deal. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't really understand what he brings to it. But on the other hand, you know, they needed a board. They needed a board fast. They needed a board that wasn't their past board. Uh, and I think what you can expect is open AI to be on the faster track, the track towards becoming a big company, more than it is on the track towards uh, fighting for AI safety, which was the angle that was being pursued by the, uh, shall we say, dissident board members. Um, uh, that said, as you pointed out yesterday, Microsoft owns 49% of the company. So in a way, Sam Altman is continuing to work for Microsoft, uh, and this is going to be Microsoft's big bet on what should be the most transformational series of technological developments since the invention of fire. Riley? Well, one of my kind of go-tos that I like to talk about on this show, just to remind everyone how insane our American domestic politics are right now, new clips of Speaker Mike Johnson have, have come out. And these aren't even that old. This is just from 2022. Uh, where in an interview he referred to abortion as an American Holocaust. Um, And he specifically claimed that Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers were setting up in inner cities because they view the people there as, quote, easy prey. So obviously that's just an insane statement on the face of it. But also in the interview, he echoed Justice Thomas in reference to the Supreme Court ruling on abortion, suggesting that the court should go back even further to assess earlier cases, uh, such as those that enshrined the right to contraceptives and gay marriage. So, you know, I feel like there's a story like this every every week about Mike Johnson, where nobody knew who he was before he was speaker, and now we're kind of realizing who we're stuck with, uh, which is just pure Christo-fascism, as you've, as you've alluded to before, David. Yeah, Christo-fascism. I like the idea of earlier cases and the Dobbs decision I believe uh, uh, Justice Alito went back in the decision to some uh, 13th century English precedents uh, because that's where you've got to go to get to where these people are comfortable. Um, but, you know, essentially you've got a guy who's sort of out saying, 
I'm against abortion nationally. I'm against gay marriage nationally. I'm against the rights of LGBTQ people nationally. I want to take these rights away. And I, I have to say, I never expected, I did not expect at this point in my life that we would start seeing basic human rights being stripped away from Americans. Uh, but the movement to do so is a big one. Um, and as many of uh, our listeners may have noticed, Mike Johnson made a pilgrimage this week to Mar-a-Lago um, to uh, sort of pay homage uh, to uh, the Pope of repulsiveness, Donald Trump, uh, and uh, to you know continue Donald Trump's deal with the evangelical right. Um, these are the people driving this Christo-fascist agenda. Trump doesn't care about any of this stuff. Tr Trump's views on abortion are a little bit more liberal than some of those in the party. Trump just cares about getting elected. Trump just cares about Trump. As I heard Claire McCaskill say on MSNBC yesterday, the thing that's most dangerous about Trump uh, compared to other previous fascists is he has no values. He has no belief. He has no vision. He only cares about being in power shutting down the investigations against him, investigating those who are opposed to him, enriching his family, enriching his friends, and flexing his muscles. It's really scary. And it is impossible for us to say right here at this day that he doesn't have a chance of winning. He does. It's a realistic possibility that a year from today, we will be reeling from the result of an election where Donald Trump is reelected president and our democracy starts to shrivel like a raisin. That's a happy Thanksgiving thought there for me. Chris, what do you have to pick up on that? Um, the Dutch are uh, at the polls voting for a new parliament and for the first time in a decade, a new prime minister. Um, the election is a, a three-party race with no candidate at this point projected to have more than 20% of the vote. Um, results are still coming in, so we, we don't have a view of, of what's going to happen. My question, David, here is, um, do, what, what is the significance of the Dutch elections as far as the United States policies go? Well, I think the the most troubling significance of the Dutch election. Thanks, thanks for asking. By the way, I'd love to be quizzed on my knowledge of elections in small European countries. Is uh, um, that the the candidate that may finish in in uh, you know in with seats in the parliament is the far right candidate, uh, and so we may see a resurgence there. There has been a history in 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 Holland. Uh, despite being a progressive, high-functioning country, of uh, there being a strong segment of white supremacists, quite ugly um, um, uh, politicians, uh, and the top one of those politicians is is likely to end up in the in the parliament now. Um, it, you know, if that is a trend that is reflected in other countries, uh, and there's a there, you know, there there are people like this in Germany. Um, uh, as well, uh, and we've we've seen people like this in Italy, France, the UK, uh, Austria, and other countries. Um, uh, 
you know, this this does not bode well. You know, it suggests that this right wing surge that we've seen over the past uh, decade or so uh, that has included Trump and included Erdogan and included Bolsonaro and includes Millet and Argentina and has been orchestrated by Putin and includes people like Modi, that it's continuing. Uh, so we have to watch it especially closely in those terms. Riley? Well, I, I have to confess that I I just chose my last story because it made me laugh, and it is related to Thanksgiving. And I had to just laugh at the good folks at Fox News. Uh, they did a segment the other day on Special Edition of Hannity, where a host, Jason Chaffetz, claimed on air that turkeys in Joe Biden's America cost $90. Um, and the internet quickly took to that and called it for the bullshit that it is, uh, with the average price being around $27 or a dollar per pound. Uh, but Chaffetz didn't take the criticism very well and instead doubled down and went out and bought a $114 turkey, uh, presumably just to own the libs. Uh, but he was quickly called out again because the turkey he bought was $5 a pound and it came from like some kind of organic farm sustainably raised in California. So he was quickly called out for... Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with organic turkeys, right? No, exactly. But when you're doing it to kind of call out supposedly inflation, uh, one Twitter user called called him out saying he bought the Rolls Royce of turkeys uh, and is mad at Joe Biden. And another one calling him out for buying a woke turkey to own the libs, given that it was sustainably raised. So again, not an important story, but I do think it is indicative of some of the reasons why Americans are still not believing that our economy is doing well because you have these narratives floating around on places like Fox News that artificially basically misinform viewers that things are worse than they are. I love it. I think it's a very funny story. Um, and I love the idea that he goes in and he says, this turkey costs $90. And they say, Mr. Chaffetz, that's not a turkey, it's an ostrich. Um, you know, I mean, he's uh, uh, clearly, clearly lost it. Um, they want to make this inflation thing go on and on and on, but they've got a problem. Inflation's going down. The prices of eggs, gasoline, food products, and so forth are falling. Uh, I think mo last month, inflation in the United States was zero. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they want to continue this through next year. If it does not continue through next year, if it's not an issue next year, you know, that's going to be more important than all the bogus front page news stories that you're seeing right now about, you know, Joe Biden's age, because people are going to realize that Joe Biden made a bet. Uh, by the way, a bet contrary to the advice of Larry Summers, now who will make a gajillion dollars on the board of OpenAI, um, that turned out right. You know, so, and and by the way, when you end up on a board of a company like that and they start giving you shares, oh my God, do you make a lot of money? It's how Al Gore became the most, the wealthiest of all, you know, former U.S presidents or vice presidents because he got on the board of AOL. Um, AOL used to be a thing, Riley. I'm not, I can't explain it to you, but you know, 
It was it was like open AI, but like 25 years ago. Chris? Well, and plus he invented the internet. Speaking of turkeys, not Al Gore, uh, Kim Jong-un, um, North, North Korea. He is a little, he is a little, he is a little butterball. A of butterball. A <laughs> I don't know if we should say. Good God. Um, yeah. yeah. North Korea has six claimed to have successfully launched a military spy satellite. South Korea has responded by suspending uh, an inter-Korean agreement um, that called for no-fly zones along the border. The, the agreement was put into place in 2018. And I, I like the quotes um, or the, the context of the story in terms of the response from the international community. South Korea, in collaboration with the United States, vows to promptly and strongly punish North Korea if it uses the suspension as a pretext for further provocations. The international community, including the U.S., Japan, and South Korea, condemns North Korea's actions. China urges all parties to remain calm and restrained amid escalating tensions in the region. The voice of reason, China. You know, well, they always are in these things. They do play a constructive role with regard to North Korea. And that statement could have been issued in 35 different instances. Uh, you know, there's an old joke that my father used to tell, which was not a terribly funny joke, about a bunch of prisoners in a prison. And they told each other jokes over and over again. And so it got to the point that they didn't even bother with laying out the joke. They would just say, number 35. And then they'd all laugh because they knew what number 35 was. And we could do the same thing with diplomatic responses. You know, response to North Korean provocation. You just say, well, that's that's diplomatic response number 11. And you just roll that out. Um, you know, and you can do the same thing with Iran's escalating its nuclear program or, um, uh, you know, uh, China, uh, you know, taking steps in the South China Sea that alienate everybody or threaten Taiwan. Um, because essentially there's, there's books of these things. In fact, it used to be just, and I say this as a NSC historian, but it used to be during the uh, Nixon administration, according to Henry Kissinger, that they would have notebooks. This was the olden days, they didn't have computers, but they would have notebooks in the NSC in which cables were drafted for global crises in advance. And so they would say, oh, we're having a war with Russia, get the notebook off the shelf. And then it would have, you know, the, the various cables and other elements of it uh, and, and certain elements of the plan uh, pre-drafted. Um, and that's because a lot of this stuff is so predictable. Uh, your story is not as funny as Riley's story of the $90 turkey, um, uh, but uh, it does bring us to the conclusion of this week's series of DSR Daily Doomscroll Podcast. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, I would like to give each of you the opportunity to offer to our listeners um, your holiday wishes. Riley, start off. What, from Ohio, what is your holiday wish for everyone? Well, uh, enjoy your time with your families. Um, try to try to avoid some of the doom and gloom over the weekend and just enjoy yourselves. Well, that's nice. 
Chris? And I echo Riley's thoughts. Uh, This is a time for family and reflecting on what you're grateful for. Uh, So, you know, enjoy, enjoy the time, eat a lot of turkey, and go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Avoid the L-tryptophan. Uh, and look, folks, if those turkeys out there costing 140 bucks, don't overspend on the turkey. You know, just buy half a turkey. Uh, conserve your financial resources. Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, and so is Black Friday. You know, this is a big opportunity for you. Instead of doom scrolling on Friday, get online, spend money, you know, support the economy. That's what we're that's what we're hoping you'll do. And then we'll be back on Monday. We will not be doing the DSR Weekly uh, Foreign Policy Podcast this week, nor in honor of the holiday will we be doing our Friday episode of We're All Gonna Die Radio uh, or uh, some of our Thursday pods. But all of them will be back next week. So that's something to be thankful for. We're thankful for all of you. We wish you a happy holiday. Bye-bye.